The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Of course, we're going to start this afternoon with, uh, you know, taking a look, really, 24 hours. Um, this time, 24 hours ago, we were in the heat of things, or they were in uh, in Washington. And, and today, a growing number of lawmakers, including from Democratic leadership, are, are calling for President Donald Trump to be removed from office, either through impeachment or the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. After that violent mob of Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol yesterday, Yesterday, while senators were counting the Electoral College votes certifying President-elect Joe Biden. You know that chaos ensued for a number of hours as the mob roamed the halls of the Capitol building, damaging and stealing as they went. As of last count, 68 people have been arrested. Four people died, one of them a rioter who was shot by U.S. Capitol Police. Now, it took hours for the Capitol building to be secured, but lawmakers were determined to finish what they started. Don't know if you watched it last night on television, saying, let's get back to work. Vice President Mike Pence began a reconvened session of Congress to certify Joe Biden's Electoral College victory by condemning the violence. To those who wreaked havoc in our capital today, you did not win. Violence never wins. Freedom wins. And this is still the people's house. And as we reconvene in this chamber, the world will again witness the resilience and strength of our democracy. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell called it a failed insurrection by an unhinged crowd. The United States and the United States Congress have faced down much greater threats than the unhinged crowd we saw today. We've never been deterred before and will be not deterred today. Now, it took hours for the Electoral College tally to be completed, but early this morning, about 3 o'clock in the morning Washington time, Vice President Pence announced the confirmation of Biden's victory. The votes for President of the United States are as follows. Joseph R. Biden, Jr. of the state of Delaware has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes. So then this morning, President Trump conceded defeat, kind of. In a statement, he says he disagrees with the election results, but says there will be an orderly transition. It is the first time he said he'll leave two months after he lost. Now, watching all of this very closely is Dr. Paul Beck, distinguished professor emeritus of social and behavior science and professor of political science at The Ohio State University. Dr. Beck, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me again, Jalen. Good to talk with you and your audience. It's been, uh, you know, this time yesterday, Dr. Beck, it was, um, you know, the the, the images on television, what we were witnessing, uh, absolutely staggering. Uh, I'd like to start this afternoon with, with your thoughts 24 hours later about what you witnessed yesterday. Well, it was an absolutely shocking episode, uh, one that was egged on and stimulated by, of all people, the president of the United States. Uh, a very sad chapter in the life of American democracy. It makes one wonder about, uh, you know, where we where we are headed going forward. Now, you know, one thing, Jalen, I should mention, 
is that that obviously this particular event gets a lot of attention and, and sobers mm-hmm. Americans and people all over the world, in fact. But it was perpetrated by you know several thousand people who were stimulated, basically. Uh, the event was fomented by the President of the United States, which is, is disturbing enough. But he will be gone in 13 days. Uh, and as many people as were there storming the Capitol building and prowling through its halls and doing damage, there, of course, were many, many millions of Americans who were just literally appalled by what yeah. happened. Uh, okay. And many of them probably Trump voters. Uh, and we should be careful not to say this was an action that was uh, an action on behalf of all Trump voters, though there are a lot of them, too many in my view, who are basically believing what they're told by the president uh, about the fraudulence of this particular election, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary. What impact do you think that this has on on the Republican Party moving forward, what 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 impact do you think it has on the conservative movement in the months and years to come? Well, yesterday was a, a very eventful day for the Republican Party in in three ways. You know, one is the of course, well, early this morning, uh, the the Biden and Harris election was confirmed. Uh, we knew that was going to happen. There was no doubt about that. Secondly, the Republicans lost the majority in the Senate. Uh, and going forward, this is really going to create a different dynamic in American politics. Uh, Joe Biden now, when he inherits the presidency on the 20th of January, is going to have both a Senate and a House that is not controlled by the opposition. And that's very important going forward. And it kind of got missed yesterday uh-huh. in all of the reaction to the events, of course, that occurred in, in Washington, D.C. And then thirdly, what we're seeing is a number of Republican office holders who themselves were appalled by what was going on. And be, you begin to see them moving away from Donald Trump and moving away from his acolytes in the Congress. So there were many of them. Still, the vote yesterday in the House of Representatives, the lower chamber, uh, had a majority of Republicans objecting to what went on in Arizona, you know, the vote in Arizona. Uh, so they were kind of sizing up to Trump. To Trump. He lost about half of the people in the Senate who were going, half of the Republicans who were going to object. I think the number ended up being six rather than 12 mm-hmm. or 13. So you can see Republicans beginning to move away from him. The Republicans in the House who stuck with him are mostly representatives from one party districts that are controlled heavily by the Republican Party. So they don't really face competition. But those who do uh, are really worried about what's going to happen going forward and whether they are going to be tainted by a president that they probably privately feared and 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 despaired about, uh, but now are coming more publicly to distance themselves from. Dr. Beck, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about, um, there's been a lot of questions and a lot of analysis so far, and, and there will be much, much more to come about the security uh, at the Capitol yesterday. I mean, uh, you know, you, you hear uh, some of the security officials uh, defending um, those who were working that yesterday, and then we see video in some parts that look like um, uh, the, the, the mob was allowed to just walk in. 
in. When you're looking at what happened there, why wasn't why weren't they prepared? Why 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 did that ha- why how did that happen? How did that happen? Well, it clearly is the case that they weren't prepared. Uh, if you think of the contrast between what happened in D.C. and what has happened often in New York City when there have been protests, the New York City police are typically prepared. Uh, and the way you handle these kinds of mobs is by overwhelming force. And it simply wasn't there. Uh, and then you have this situation where there's kind of a clash of jurisdictions. Uh, as I understand that the, the Metropolitan Police of the District of Columbia are not allowed to go into federal property. Uh, so it's the Capitol Police who are the ones who are supposed to police federal property. But they aren't as well trained, probably, or as tough, maybe, is the way to put it, uh, as the Metropolitan Police may be. And then there was no visible presence of the security forces from Homeland Security, uh, FBI, they came later in the game. Uh, National Guard came late. Uh, so they clearly weren't prepared. And we will get to the bottom of this, I think. At some point, people will lose their jobs as a result of this. But it was really an unfortunate situation. And, of course, you have this, this almost uniquely American situation of a mob that contains some people who literally are armed armed with real weapons, armed with tasers, uh, armed with uh, a spray that they could use to disable police. So it was a, a situation where obviously the law enforcement authorities simply weren't ready for it. Um, we're, there's been calls today, or there have been calls starting yesterday into d- today saying that the, the, the president needs to be removed from office. There's talk about invoking the 25th Amendment. Uh, is is that just talk? Is Can, can or do you believe it, it, it would happen within this, you know, less than two weeks? Well, I can understand the urge to punish the president for what he has done, and it certainly is punishable. It's seditious. Uh, On the other hand, we only have 13 days, uh, and both of these processes take time. Uh, The 25th Amendment uh, is basically designed to handle illnesses of one kind or another. Now, there may be an illness here, but uh, it's not an illness that has been diagnosed, (laughs) and it requires the cabinet. To uh, you know, to vote to decide to uh, remove him from office. I think it's not going to happen. Uh, as to impeachment, there's just not enough time. Uh, impeachment will require a procedure in the House of Representatives yes. uh, and then a trial in the Senate. Uh, and you know, there's just not time to do this. And so I think most Americans, including myself, but including many members of Congress, simply have to hope that the president won't do other things that are just as dastardly as what he did yesterday. Dr. Paul Beck from The Ohio State University joining me this afternoon. He said today that there would be an orderly transition. Um, Finally, um, saying something along those lines, um, what do you anticipate for the next 13 days? Does him saying an orderly transition, does does that give you a a sense of, okay, maybe a little sense of of, um, confidence that the next uh, two weeks will 
go on without any major uh, incidents. But we also know on January 20th, 20th on the, the inauguration day, there's talk about another march on from, you know, more of these supporters. I mean, it, it, it must feel like you're just you're sitting on a, a powder keg. It's, it sounds like Groundhog Day. You know, these things yeah. happening over and over again. I, I don't believe a word the president says about this. Uh, you know, he could turn around tomorrow and in a fit of rage engage in, in other activities, including encouraging people to assemble again on the 20th and protest. And so I think we need to be prepared for that. We need to be prepared to try to control as much as we can the the actions that he may take or the rhetoric that he may use to try to foment action. Uh, it'll be a, a, a challenge, I think. Uh, so we're going to be on pins and needles. Americans and people yeah. all over the world uh, are going to be in pins and needles for the next two weeks. Let's talk about the, the reaction that is coming in from around the world. Um, what does what does what happened yesterday? Um, how does that impact you know the status of the United States in in the eyes of yeah you know other countries? And and I guess part of it and my other part of this question is is what does it do in the eyes of the country's enemies? Well, you know, I, I worry about a lot of things as a result of this. Uh, one is I worry about democracy in the United States itself. Uh, and that's probably my first worry because I think that we are on the precipice there of declining into a much less democratic world here in this country. And then, of course, I worry about our standing in the world. Our enemies are, are overjoyed to see this. Uh, it, again, demonstrates that we aren't as democratic as we say we are or think we are, uh, and they can take advantage of this. And then our friends, you know, our Canadian friends and our friends throughout the world, throughout the democratic world, are seeing what they used to think was a champion of democracy, suffer the kind of fate that third world countries that are run by dictators often suffer. Uh, and that is very worrisome to them. I, I think that, that democracy itself has been challenged on the world stage, and there are plenty of countries that, that have declined in terms of the democratic practices. We see some of them in, in Eastern Europe, certainly see it in Russia, certainly see it in Hungary and, and other places as well. There are protests in where Germany, France, uh, yeah. you name it, uh, from more populist Forces. So I think it's not a good time for democracy. And to have one of the iconic countries, uh, iconic representatives of democracy undergo the kind of problems that the United States has faced, not just yesterday, but throughout this election season and even before that, uh, it is uh, you know, very, very, uh, very, very troubling. Joe Biden becomes president in less than two weeks. Um, moving past this and and helping to heal heal wounds and um, and we heard his you know impassioned speech yesterday as well. Um, and I think we've talked about this before, Doctor Beck, about about the work. Uh, what a big job it is to to heal what appears to be a great divide uh, in in the country of the United States of America. Well, he faces the COVID pandemic. He faces a, an economy that is in bad shape because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, and then he faces this long-standing polarization 
within the American public. It's been exacerbated by this president uh, and by the events of the last few days and, and the weeks after the election, and in fact, leading up to the election itself. So it's a tall order for him. He is helped by what's happened in Georgia. Uh, he will no longer face opposition in the Senate by a majority party that will control things in the Senate. It will be his party that controls things. He also, I think, is the kind of person that if there's anyone who can heal these kinds of rifts, it probably is Joe Biden. Not that he's necessarily going to be successful in doing that, but he is somebody who I think is quite able to reach across the aisle to the other side and say, hey, let's get behind this. Uh, and there may be some things here that we can do that we can agree upon. Let's focus on those things, you know, starting with the pandemic itself, perhaps, yeah. and, and you know, moving on to the economy. Uh, and so I think he's going to try. And I actually have a lot of confidence in him, not the, that I think the, that it's going to be an easy task. Dr. Beck, I always enjoy our conversations. Want to thank you for making time for us this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jalen. Good to talk with you. Oh, and before I let you go, I'm not sure if you're a football fan or not, but I have to wish um, your school's uh, football team good luck. There's a huge game they're playing in on Monday. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so good I, luck with I, that I, one as well. Yeah, I, I can't help but be a big football fan. Now, the problem that we face immediately is the, the COVID, COVID pandemic. Yeah. And some of yeah. our players apparently have been affected by that. And so there's some question as to whether the game would need to be postponed. <laughs> well, Dr. Beck, I saw uh, Ohio State and uh, Alabama play in uh, the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans in 2015. We know what that great game that was. So looking forward to Monday and, and maybe some, some levity if we can um, you know, take our mind off some things for a little while. Dr. Beck, thanks again for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> okay, thank you, Jalen. It would be nice to have our minds on something else. It sure would. Take care now. Goodbye.